0: Good evening, and welcome to the second episode of Off The Chain Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Blaze, along with Bald Mike. Say hey. Hey. What's going on, man? Not too much. Been uh, enjoying this rainy
1: New England weather and getting some key forging. How about
0: you? Uh, You know, everyday key forging. Keep forging. Keep forging. (laughs) I mean, it's the mantra I live by. Um, It really has become a way of life for me. How much key forging did you get in this week, Mike? I got in a bunch this
1: week. Uh, We started off last Sunday. You and I went down to our local store and played a bunch of games, um, at least five games that I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, We also hit a local tournament on Tuesday night where both of us played, and we both did pretty well in that one. you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, sure. So the tournament we played in on Tuesday was the Archon format, so it's a bring your own deck um, instead of the sealed. We played three rounds. Uh, my first round was pretty quick. I played against uh, Brandon Usher's Kid. It went. A f- I played a very fast, speedy Amber Generation deck. I think that match was over in about seven turns. Second round, I played you. Yep. It was a good game. It wasn't probably the best game we've ever had. No. It wasn't. Um, but I, I think I ended up taking that game in about eight turns. Um, and then I played one of our local Game Whiz guys. He plays a bunch of games yeah, at the he does. store. Um, I got beat by a double forge in one turn when I was sitting on two keys and about 12 amber. It was tough. a good tournament. I think we had 10 people. How yeah, did your Yeah, we had go? 10.
1: My game was pretty good. My first game was against uh, one of the regulars that I played other games against at the store. Uh, I won that one. It was a little bit of a slower match for me, but I wasn't hitting the cards I wanted to see. And like you said, turn the round two, I played against you. Um, and that was a good game. I think I had two keys forged by the end of that game, but your your deck pukes out, Amber. Uh, the third round, I played against another regular at the shop, and it was a very long game. I almost lost to my own deck because I, I had two keys, a pile of Amber, and I Wild wormholed into a Sting. Uh, but luckily, when I refilled my hand, I pulled a little Miasma to keep him from forging his third key, and I was able to come back and win that one to go 2-1 on the night. Um,
0: it sounds like we had a great time. Uh, I believe 2 and one for this tournament did net us about 5 bucks in store credit after we paid the entry fee, so that was pretty cool. Well, yeah, overall, I played some decent games this week, some really close um, to the wire games. They were pretty good. I've been playing some of the Keyforge online through the crucible.online website. Uh, it is a website that allows you to import your deck from the Master Vault, or really any deck from the Master Vault, and play in a web browser. Rule implementation is pretty good. There isn't really anything that doesn't work in there. And because you can go just search up by any deck name you want, you can just put in like the word frost and pick up any deck that has the word frost in it. You can play with the any deck that's registered in the master vault, which as of right now is a little over 200,000 decks. 220,000. That's a lot of decks, man. Like So playing blind, just like you pick a deck list by name, you don't look at the contents, and you just load it up. I was playing with our friend Charlie. So we both load up blind decks and just play like a blind game. and It was super fun. Yeah, it sounds like it's just like playing Sealed at your local store. Yeah, um, but there's so many different um, possibilities, like 110,000 different games you could potentially play, which is just kind of crazy. I know PAX was going on this weekend. Uh, What have you heard about PAX?
1: Uh, PAX had a great turnout. Uh, they had discovery pod eight person um, tournaments going all weekend. Uh, they, I was actually told from Doug Enday from the Facebook group that they had a lot of product that they were flying through. Their FFG was actually worried about running out of product for today, but he he talked to me earlier today and said they didn't. Uh, so that was good. Also, there's some really cool swag that they're giving out while they're there. Uh, one of the things that I've seen pictures floating around the Facebook Facebook page, and we can put them up on our social media later, but there's a bad penny uh, pin that put out, similar to the house faction pins that they were, that were released for the pre-release weekend. There's also house art cards that are the chain tracker cards on the other side mm-hmm. that look pretty cool. They did one for each house and also a ton of acrylic ember tokens which I'm sure those are things we'll see in kits
0: down the road. Yeah, I believe the Amber Tokens are part of the first wave of organized play kits. Uh, you said these were Discovery Pods. Yes. All right, so the, I don't know if you're familiar with what the Discovery Pod is. The uh, Discovery Pod is built around eight-man format, like you said, um, where I believe the Amber Tokens were for the person who goes 3-0, and, right. and then there were the extended art uh, Chain Tracker cards, which are participation prizes. So it's cool that they were out, able to be seen in the wild, yeah, yeah and, and the bad the bad penny pins
1: were actually given out for anybody that went up to do demos at the FFG booth while they were there. And then also one of the other t- formats for the tournaments they did was the Archon drafts. That's something where each player gets to look at a deck for two minutes, and then they bid a number of chains to actually earn the right to play with that deck for the tournament. And of course the Horsemen reared their ugly heads at that tournament, and
0: somebody bid 24 chains to play a Horseman deck in that tournament. <laughs> I mean, I would venture to say it's they bid 24 chains to walk away with the Horseman deck. I have played a game with one of our friends here where I started at 22 chains and I was done by turn five. I couldn't do anything to salvage that game. I can't imagine you can win bidding 24. No,
1: you're not drawing any cards, and after all, this is a card game. That's very true.
0: It is indeed a card game.
1: So, also at Packs Unplugged, they did a live tournament on Saturday. Uh, I'm sorry, live panel on Saturday. And from what I've heard, what Doug told me from the live panel is, they didn't really answer too many direct questions, um, especially when it came to tournament play or future sets. However, they hinted at the idea of the Horseman and being a special set is a sign
0: of things that we may see more of in the future. What exactly did they mean by special set? Like We know about linked cards and the fact that they show up together, like Time Traveler and Help from Future Self. Master of 1, 2, and 3, so are you just saying there are more special cards coming? So Ass- really assuming,
1: useful. you know how when we get a horseman deck, you get all four horsemen in that deck, so I'm assuming it's going to be along the same lines where there's going to be a, a fixed number of cards that are a special set that will, that'll only be in a deck together. You won't see one horseman in a deck, so whatever they're planning on in the future, you'll also get however many cards are
0: involved in that set all together. Yeah, so just more options for linked cards. Right. Yeah, okay, makes sense. We're going to be moving into our House Spotlight portion of the episode. This is where we take two different decks uh, that we've played throughout the week and highlight one house from each deck to talk about. You can find the decks that we used on any of our social media pages, and we'll be starting with Bald Mike's selection with Brobnar.
1: Uh, This week, I chose Brobnar as my house. They feel like they are definitely the the smashiest of the houses. They want to fight. They have some big beefy creatures to do that with, too, and some cool cards and effects uh, that benefit from fighting. So the first two cards in the deck are Coward's End and the Bodies, and there's two of each in this deck.
0: Alright, Coward's End is an action. It says play, destroy each undamaged creature, and you gain three chains. Loot the Bodies is an action that says play for the remainder of the turn. Gain one Amber each time an enemy creature is destroyed.
1: It's a great combo. I was so happy when I cracked open this deck and saw two of each. Um, in a game I played, one of the games I played last Sunday, I actually lived the dream. My opponent had seven or eight creatures on the board, and I had the combo in hand. And that much Amber is enough for a key in and of itself. That was pretty great. Uh, the only complaint is, being two of each, I don't want to see
0: these first turn. <clears throat> uh, going down the net, the list, the next card is Sound the Horns. Sound the Horns is an action that generates one amber. It says play, discard cards from the top of your deck, and so you either discard a Brobnark creature or run out of cards. If you discarded a Brobnark creature this way, put it into your hand. This is
1: another great card. Not only does it give you an amber, but it lets you find uh, one of the one of the creatures in this deck. Unfortunately, there's only our creatures in this particular deck uh, so being able to get them because they are pretty beefy creatures being a five or six or an eight as far as um i don't want to see it late game because usually late game
0: i'll have my creatures out so i don't really but one ember is always good i mean with only three creatures in your deck though even if you see it mid to late like being able to filter out the rest of your deck to a reshuffle isn't always the worst thing that can happen. No, and there have been times
1: where I have hit that, where it's, yeah, I really want to get through this deck and recycle it and shuffle
0: through it again. And the
1: next card in the the deck is Tremor.
0: Tremor is an action. It says, play stun a creature in each of its neighbors. Uh, When you played this against me, I hated it. (laughs) I love this card, um, but th- again, this is another
1: one I don't want to see turn one if I'm the first player. I want you, obviously, to have creatures out. Pre- the more,
0: the merrier to get the full effect out of it. Uh, the next card in the deck is Warsong. Warsong is an action. This is play for the remainder of the turn. Gain one Amber each time a friendly creature fights. In this particular deck,
1: probably not the strongest of the cards, since there are only three Brobnard creatures. Um, but in other decks with more Brobnard creatures, it can generate... a pre- Good ember swing, but I'll take three ember anytime too for fighting.
0: Yeah, uh, it's worth noting that this is not a fight effect ability, so even if your creature dies while fighting, you still do generate the ember. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next card in the deck is Cannon. Cannon is an artifact. It says action, deal two damage to a creature. I'll take two free damage without risking one of my creatures any day.
1: That's Like a fair fair trade to me because you don't get rid of the cannon, it's just an action.
0: Yeah, I mean, it feels super probe, right? Like, I'm yeah. just going to keep dealing damage to your dudes. I'm just and... going to kick you once for two damage, and you got to deal with it. And the next card on the list is Screech Bomb. Screech Bomb is another artifact. It is Omni. Sacrifice Screech Bomb. Your opponent loses two Amber. Love this card. This is another one I don't mind seeing first
1: turn from the player. Uh, anything that makes your opponent lose Amber is great in my book. And the fact that it has the Omni ability means I could do it whether Brobnar is my active house or
0: not. So it's hard in my opinion. Yeah, for those that don't know, an Omni ability uh, is an ability you can trigger no matter what house you call. So it it does give it some super versatility. Next up is one of the three creatures in the deck, and it's Valder. Uh, Valder is six power, zero armor. His text is Valder deals plus two damage while attacking an enemy creature on the flank.
1: So he goes from a 6 to an 8 when attacking a creature on a flank, which is great. 8 is really beefy in this game. And it's also important to notice that if your opponent only has one single creature out, they're considered a flank creature, so he gets that attack bonus. Very true. Uh, The next creature in the deck
0: is Smash. Uh, Smash is a 5 strength creature. Uh, Play, stun a creature. Uh, Another great ability.
1: I love that stun ability. Again, probably not something I want to see if I'm first player.
0: Well, yeah, if you play this as your first play of the game, he will stun himself. Yes, and that'll make me a little bit sad.
1: And the last card for Brobnar in this deck is the last creature also, and it is a beefy a
0: troll. he does have eight strength, zero armor. Uh, he has a reap effect. Troll heals three damage from himself.
1: What can I say? Uh, having a creature that big with eight damage, eight life, the way this game works out? And being able to not only get you an Amber, but heal himself
0: if you do have to use him to attack. It's like a great bargain to me. I mean, just 8 Strength and some way to heal in a faction that just loves to smash is also uh, is also really strong.
1: Yeah, so, so not only he can fight when you need him to, if you need to smash a smaller creature for loot to bodies, he can heal himself of any damage he takes from that fight.
0: So what were your overall impressions of the deck, Mike? How many games did you get in? Um, did you hit the ultimate combo?
1: Uh, like I said, I did hit that ultimate combo uh, in one of the games last Sunday, and it netted me, I want to say, like, 7 Ember, which that's enough for a key. I like the deck. Brobnar feels like my playstyle. I'm a very in-your-face, smash-mouth type of player. I do have other uh, decks with Brobnar with a few more creatures that I like a little better, but
0: I just love that. I mean, Brobnar does feel like your style from the other games we've played over the years. Definitely. Um, so that's cool. I'm happy you found one that you liked, and you were able to live the dream and blow up the board. We're going to move into my deck for the week, and my House Spotlight is Mars. The obvious combo I like in this deck involved Blippiip and Brainstem Antenna. I'll start with the Brainstem Antenna. It is an upgrade. Uh, It says you put it on a creature. This creature gains, after you play a Mars creature, ready this creature, and for the remainder of the turn, it belongs to House Mars. And I really like putting this on Blippiip. Blipyp is a creature, he has two strength, uh, zero armor, and he has a reap effect. The next Mars creature you play this turn enters play ready. So for me, Mars feels like a real combo-heavy, like storm-centric deck. So with the brainstem antenna on the Blippiup, um he can reap to generate the amber, and then the next Mars creature I play enters play ready. So I play another Mars creature. With the antenna, Blippiup will stand back up and be ready. So he will become ready, and the creature I just played enters play ready, and you can keep cycling this effect. Creep with Blippiet, play another friend ready Blippiet, and just keep the Mars train going. Yeah, for as many creatures
1: as you have to play, uh, do that, and that's why Anytime I see you put that brainstem antenna on somebody,
0: they they gotta go. Yeah, um, Mars is really cool for what they can do. With they see Big Mars friend turns, and being able to come in ready is like the key to a good Mars game. Uh, The next card in the deck is Grabber Jammer. It is a creature with four power and one armor. His text is your opponent's keys cost plus one amber and a fight reap effect of capture one amber. I really like this guy as a control creature. Uh, Being able to influence the cost of my opponent's keys might help swing it for one extra turn, potentially two extra turns where they can't forge to give me time uh, especially in this deck that had shadows, to maybe steal some and keep them under that threshold.
1: Yeah, the deck that I, uh, I just talked about has Mars as one of the other houses in it, and I actually have two Grabber Jammers in that deck. You now, taxing your opponent to where it costs them more to play to forge a key, is, is, like you said, it's a great stall tactic.
0: Yeah, Grabber Jammers is really cool. Uh, next card in the deck is one of the rares, it is Gromid. is a 10 strength creature with zero armor. His text is, you cannot play creatures, but after an enemy creature is destroyed fighting Gromid, your opponent loses one Amber. So he's kind of a risk-based creature, right? So like once I put him down, I'm not able to play any more creatures. Um, If I have a way to archive him, there is a, a card I believe later in this deck that will let me archive a friendly creature from play. You can swing with him make your opponent lose an Amber, and then archive him away so you can play more creatures. Uh, in the game we played earlier today, I did get locked out of playing creatures for a couple turns, and it is rough. Yeah, it seems like um, that could be a not being able to play creatures, but I think if you could set your board up right,
1: um, it can you can still play. I mean, I've definitely had games where I've played, and I actually haven't, I've had turns where I haven't played a card from my hand. And I've done that for, like, two rounds in a row. And playing, coming from the background of all the other card games we played, it's like, wait a minute, I just had a turn, I didn't play any cards from hand, and I'm still doing pretty good.
0: Yeah, he definitely allows you to keep working with board control as long as you can maintain it. The next card in the deck is John Smith. He is a two-strength creature, uh, zero armor. He is elusive, so the first time he is attacked each turn, there's no damage dealt to either side and he has a fight reap ability of ready a non-agent Mars creature. Uh, John Smith also goes along with the heavy storm combo of the deck. If you can get the brain stem antenna on him, um, when you reap, you can reap the blipip, play the creature ready, ready John Smith to ready blipip to keep the chain going. Uh, John Smith is a great creature overall. He might be one of my favorite Mars creatures for the versatility he can give your board. Yeah, being able to, any card that lets you ready another one of your creatures, especially if it's something that you
1: just played on that turn, is huge. You know, it gives you a big advantage being able to use a
0: creature that you just played. Absolutely. Uh, Next card in the deck is another creature. It is the Yixlix Dominator. He has nine strength and one armor. He has taunt. And the Yixlix Dominator enters play stunned. So, having a, a taunt creature with such high strength gives you some protection to your board. Uh, in this particular deck, I liked him when he was next to Maga the Rat, which is a Shadows card. Um, Maga the Rat, when he leaves play, I have to. My opponent steals two Amber from me. When you play Maga the Rat, it steals two to give yourself. So, I want to keep him safe as long as I can to maybe forge and not give that Amber back right away. Yeah, I
1: definitely see that. Also, I can see putting him next to either John Smith or Blip-Bip if they have the Antenna on them. Absolutely. Keep that combo going for a while.
0: If he's next to anyone with the Antenna, I'm I'm having a good day. Um, next card in the deck is the Yasma Think Drone. This is a three-strength creature, zero armor has a reap effect. You may archive a friendly creature or artifact from play. Um back to the Gromid. This is the combo I like to use um to at least reap with him, get the amber, send Gromid away after he does his thing, so he can come back out in a later turn. And if Blipia is around, he'll come into play ready. Yeah, let you like you said, archive um the
1: Gromit, and then drop, you know, drop some other stuff out of your hand, and then next turn,
0: scoop them back up to your hand and possibly drop them again. Yeah, any anytime you can keep dropping the creatures into play ready, or at least one that has a negative impact to your board, you want to be able to get them, get them archived. Um, the next two cards are the same. It is Zixix the Many. He is a three-strength creature. He has a fight reap effect. You may reveal the creature from your hand, and if you do, archive it, and 6-6 six six the money gets 3 plus 1 power counters. I really like this guy. I like the fact that he gets so big so fast, and he also gives you the tempo for future turns by archiving a few guys, or any cards, really, to set up maybe a different house later uh, in the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we talked about
1: this... I don't, I don't believe we talked about this last episode, but I know we talked about it off-air. Uh, just being able to archive cards and set up a huge turn later on is, is a neat mechanic within the game and build up a huge turn later on by archiving, just like you said, a specific house, setting yourself up.
0: Archiving is a really cool mechanic that they have in this game, uh, the temporary out-of-play zone. Uh, when you combo this with some Logos tricks, because Logos likes to archive a bunch, you can do some really neat things with your turns. The last two cards in the deck are Biomatrix Backup. It is an upgrade that generates one amber. Um, It says, this creature gains destroyed. You may put this creature into its owner's archives. Now, as we talked about last week with the ruling, Biomatrix Backup will send the creatures to my archives, but the active player chooses whether this effect triggers or not. It's not as good as it used to be, But, like, all upgrades in this game, you can play them on your opponent's creatures. So if they've archived some of my creatures, I might put this on their best guy. So it has a chance to get archived, so they might have to give me my friends back. Yeah, that's really a good combination,
1: too. That's a way of getting your guys back. I know if if biometric backup is on my opponent's creature... I don't want them in their archives. I don't want them to get them whenever they
0: want. I want them. Um, it's just a nice way to potentially set up cards in that archive for a future turn. a Less of a chance to interact with your opponent's archives to maybe get your guys out of it. Right. All right, Mike. So there's a few things I wanted to talk about before we wrap up uh, for the show today. We did get one new ruling from FFG regarding phase shift. Phase shift is an action in Logos. It says play you may play one non-Logos card this turn. Um, specifically, the confusion came with the words this turn. And one. And, and one, right. So the debate was, if I played this card, am I only allowed to play one non-Logos card for the remainder of the turn because of the way it's worded? The ruling has come down that every time you play a copy of Phase Shift, you are allowed to play a non-Logos card. It doesn't care what you've played earlier in the turn.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the confusion came from two where, it because it does say one non-Logos card, uh, its interaction with Wild Wormhole also caused a lot of debate. For those that don't know, Wild Wormhole is a card that generates you one Ember for playing it. You reveal the top card or, or you play the top card of your deck. It doesn't care what house it is. Um, so that's where the confusion be- uh, came up between Wild Wormhole and Phase Shift. Some people said, well, you can't play both. Or if you played Phase Shift first and then Wild Wormhole into a non-Logos card, you couldn't play that card.
0: Right. So that ruling clarified that for us. Yeah, I think it's a good ruling. Um, I wish they didn't word the cards the way they did sometimes. Yeah, but as that- long as we get a ruling that makes sense for like the spirit of the game then it's fine. Definitely. um, But
1: unfortunately, FFG seems to have been ambiguous in a lot of their games over the years, so it's nothing
0: new to veteran FFG games players. No, it's nothing new to us. But for anyone new to card gaming or FFG in general, they'll have to see a pattern and get used to rulings that come down that maybe don't agree with how words actually um, work in the English language.
1: Were Were you playing it the way it was ruled before?
0: I was playing it as it's written, so if it could allow me to play one non-Logos card this turn, I was not thinking I could play another one, because words have to mean something.
1: Right, that's the kind of way I was playing it too. I do have a deck with a triple wild wormhole phase shift combo, Uh, so I was always playing my wild wormholes first before the phase shift (laughs) uh, to get the combo that way, because I didn't think it worked if
0: I played it in the other order. Yeah, but I'm... And that's fine. That, again, that's how I interpreted the card initially also. So to get an official ruling from Fantasy Flight is always a good thing. Yeah, and that's a good thing. They've, they've been on top of these rulings, and they're coming down pretty quick with them. Yeah, they certainly are. One of the other things, this kind of goes to a ruling, but more so something that's also written in the rulebook, is the handicap chain mechanic. So one of the decks that I have, um, the one I had played this week in the tournament, seems to win way more than it loses and the games really aren't that close it generates 23 amber just off the cards uh, it has shadows uh a witch of the wild who says when you play or i'm sorry not witch of the wild a hunting witch when you play another creature you generate an amber so like the, the amber explosion in that deck is real um so we gave it the uh, four chain start to start the game which is what the the book recommends and I want to be honest with you. When I played that game, um, I believe it was against you. It was. I was utterly destroyed. My deck couldn't show up.
1: Yeah, not being able to draw as many really seemed to hamper that deck a lot. And that deck is tough to play against. With my best deck, I think I've, I've squeaked out one one straight up win without the chains on it. But other than that, there I've lost some pretty brutal games where I even, even had a chance to forge one key and you've forged all three. Uh, that deck is really strong it is really strong
0: but it goes more to what the chain mechanics going to be in the app and then what it will mean going forward because i believe the initial impression for beginning of the match chains was that if one deck is performing exceptionally well against an exact one other deck you put this chain handicap on for that one matchup How it looks like in the app, however, is each deck has a whole chain section where it looks like if a deck performs exceedingly well, it's going to have chains against any deck it comes across, which I think is maybe a little too strong, especially if they start at four.
1: Yeah, four seems like a high number. Um, I I know we need to do some more testing with your deck and try, you know, four chains, I wiped you off the board that game. Uh, I think we need to come down to three, maybe even just two chains to see how you do with that one. Uh, It's something that they need to clarify what their policy with the chains is going to be.
0: Yeah, because like chains, when you play a normal game, you take them as a penalty for a very broad sweeping effect, like a board wipe. You're going to take some chains for clearing that board. Just to have some to start the game, because this deck performs a little better than an average deck doesn't feel so great, but I understand why they'd want to try something like that, so if someone doesn't crack like the best deck, that's random based on the algorithm, but then they just steamroll a bunch of people. So they have to have some way to keep that in check.
1: Yeah, I mean, we see with other games where people will just net deck the most powerful thing and steamroll anything else that comes along. I think their intention with the chains is to prevent anybody from cracking a deck that can do that. I just think it's going to be kind of a hard balance. Like you said, I don't believe blanket chains for every single game you play would be fair, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see what FFG comes down with that.
0: Yeah, um, like I said, based on how it looks in the app, um, it seems contradictory to the documentation I've seen leading up to this point. Speaking of the app, is there anything you wanted to go over regarding the app itself right now in its infancy? Yeah, um, there have been a lot of talk on... Uh, the FFG forums and on Facebook, people
1: are saying, well, "Why did they put out an incomplete product? You know, why? Right now, it's just a collection manager, which in in itself, I think is great. That way, you can easily look at your deck anytime you want, on the go, on your phone, on the computer, on your laptop, whatever. Um, and it kind of bugs me a little bit that people are complaining about it because this is an awesome tool for FFG right now, as, as the app stands today. Just before we went on air, we looked and there is 220,000 plus decks registered.
0: The game hasn't been out a month yet, and that is an insane amount of decks. It is an insane amount of decks. And if you did some quick math, if you were to assume they sold for $10 a piece, right, not counting the starter sets. Right, not counting starters. But even then, that's more money. Uh, it's 2.2 in 2.2 million in trackable sales figures out. Now, obviously, it's not all profit production costs and whatnot, but it's a good snapshot for Fantasy Flight to see just how many of their decks are reaching players' hands. Uh, And you can't assume everyone is using the app to register their decks either. Some people might not even know about it. Um, But it is really neat to see just how many decks are registered every day and the game's been out two weeks.
1: Yeah, and it's the infancy of the game and FFG can just with a tap of a button see the number of decks that have been sold and that's got to be a good thing because that they, they see that people are supporting the game, people are playing the game and loving the game, and that's going to make them want to give us
0: more for the game down the road. I agree. I think it's a good sign uh, for the company to see just how many decks are being registered in players' hands because obviously they've sold through their initial launch distributors, but they're not sure how fast that's going to trickle down uh, into players' hands. So to at least see this big number getting registered so early... That's a good sign for the game. Yeah, and there are some stores, uh, you see on the Facebook
1: page, people reporting their stores are out of stock. I know our own particular store is kind of getting low. Um, They even had some issues at PAX themselves where they underestimated what they thought they would sell.
0: Yeah, I believe our local store has product only relegated for sealed events, at least until the restock comes in. Right, so the app isn't finished yet, um, but
1: I'm glad it's there as it is, and I look forward to seeing what's coming down the road with the app in the future.
0: Yeah, like I said, this is the the infancy of the app and the product for FFG in general. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where they go with it. There's a bunch that says coming soon, right. uh, power level, chains level. So we'll, it'll be nice to see what that looks like in a few months when they finally get it out. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Was there anything else you wanted to hit on, Mike? I think we hit everything I had planned for this week. All right, well, I guess we're coming up to the end of the show. If you've liked what you've heard over the past two shows and you want to help support the podcast, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash off the chain podcast. Once we hit 15 patrons, we'll have a blind deck giveaway on the second Saturday of every month. You can email us at ask.offthechainpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on social media. On Facebook, it's Off The Chain, a Keyforge podcast. Twitch and Instagram is Off The Chain Podcast. Twitter is off the chain show. As always, I'm Kenny Blaze along with Bald Mike. Hit him with that catchphrase. Keep forging. Keep forging. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.